Episode 18 continued. This boy, he was like seven, spent the night at my house. And then when his mom picked him up, he was like, I don't want to go to Auntie Genty's house anymore. And she's like, why? After that, I confronted my daughter about it. And I was like, he said, this is happening. Has this ever happened to you? Has this happened to you? But no, nothing's ever gone on like that. Okay. She went and spent the night at her friend's house. And they decided to come forward and they came out to her mom. And so I called the police. I had to. What? Yeah. How could you not? That was probably the hardest thing that I ever had to do was turning in my own family member as a sex offender. But after what had been done to me, I'm like, how could you not? How could you not do this? Of course, it broke up our family. It almost ruined my marriage. We haven't even seen him since. But... It was how could you not? Do. Yes, how yeah. could you not it's, do that? It's, it's a heartbreaking situation to do, but it was the only thing you could do. If they're redeemable, then get it caught early before it escalates. Yeah. Right. And understand how wrong it is. They yeah. need to understand consequences. They get a consequence for the action. They learn. They stop doing that shit. And hopefully this isn't going to happen to anyone else because of what you did. Yeah. But if there's no consequences, then people will not change. That's yeah. human nature. There has to be a consequence. And as heartbreaking as that decision was, it was the only thing you could do. And yeah. it's what our parents and leadership and other people in that cult should have done. Yeah, mm-hmm. exactly. Yeah. 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 It's it, it's not easy. It was not easy. But mm-hmm. I can only yeah. How could you not, though? How could you not do that? At least my daughter knows that I fought for her. I went to bat for or when something happened and she told me I fucking did something about it. Yeah. Those words came out of her fucking mouth. I picked up the phone and I called a detective like instant fucking Lee. I didn't even wait one fucking second. She knows and- it's not okay. She's not going to grow up thinking that she just has to put up this shit in silence because it's just her. She knows yep. she has, she knows it's yeah. not okay and she knows they've got her back. And that mm-hmm. is something that I wish that I'd known about any adult when I was a kid. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. He's he's on the sex offender list for the rest of his life. So hopefully that will protect any other children from that happening to them. But that's what our parents should have done. That's what they should have done for us. I'm so sorry you're in that position. It's so horrible. Yeah. But you did the right thing. Yeah. I had to. How could you not? I didn't care about anything at that point except for my fucking daughter's safety. And then, of course, we had to go through the whole PTSD thing and counseling and therapy, and it caused a lot of issues for her. She went, she got into arsony. She almost became a felon at the age of 14. I had cops knocking on my door because she was starting fires in porta potties on in churches on camera. I mean, she she got arrested for drinking in public at 14. She took marijuana to school. She was on probation. It was a huge fucking years of issues. And she yeah. still fucking has issues from it. But at least she knows that I didn't let that happen, that I was not yeah. okay with it. No. Wow. Yeah. And you know what? She may still continue to have issues, but as you say, not going to be the same issues as we have. Sometimes that's the best you can hope for. Yeah. She knows you got her back. And she also knows there's consequences. Yeah. 
as yeah. does he. And yeah. that's that's something. A lot of the abuse happens within people's own families and own households. And the reason none of it gets reported, none of it, very little of it gets reported, is because of that very reason. People don't want to break up their families. I know so many people that shit happened to them when they were kids and they never said anything about it. And they're not okay as adults. They are not okay (laughs) because nobody ever went to bat for them. It's not just it's not just the survivors that um, you're thinking about here. It's the abuser themselves. If there's never any consequence, it's so many cases, the majority of cases, especially with a sex offender, if it doesn't get a consequence, if it doesn't get caught, if it doesn't get stopped, if there's no punishment, if there's no one telling them to stop, then they get worse and they'll push and they'll push most sex offenders carry on escalating. Mm-hmm. And that silence isn't helping anyone. It's not even helping the abuser. If it can be nipped in the bud early enough, however horrific and traumatic it can be to take that action, get the authorities involved and take that serious step, the fact is they're being taught at an early stage, actually, that this is fucked up, this is wrong, this is not something that's okay to do. There are consequences. And there's probably a lot or sex offenders that would stop there and not escalate as a result of that. But like just letting them go on and carry on isn't helping anyone. No. Mm. It isn't helping the future people they'll come across. It isn't there's no one that's actually helping. People think they're protecting their family member or loved one who's committed the abuse, but they're not protecting them if that person is never being taught what they're doing as well. Yeah. yeah. It's true. Very true. If shit like that was actually taken serious when we were growing up. How different would things have been, eh? How different, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Because people just go on offending, exactly like you said. Very Exactly. Just- I think I've already told this in another podcast, but when I was seven years old, I went to my second grade classroom and told my grandmother as my teacher and the whole entire class that my daddy rubbed my vagina. I told fucking everybody. My grandma knew. My mom knew. They all knew. And nobody did anything about it. Nothing. That's the point in speaking when no one listens. Exactly. And then you're like, why, why, how, come, how come you don't speak up for yourself? I wonder. <laughs> Let me see. It I goes back to when... Zero and a hundred. See, when I'm speaking up for myself, you do not want to be in the vicinity. <laughs> <laughs> That's exactly what happens, too. Yeah. Uh-huh. None of it should have happened. And for those that say they just want to move on now or anything else if they're genuinely sorry if they they need to acknowledge it happened they need to acknowledge it was that bad they need to stop gaslighting the people who suffered the worst of the abuse and come forward say that okay this happened Mm -hmm. they want to be forgiven they want to apologize they need to acknowledge what they're apologizing for None of this BS of, oh, anything you think might have happened, but what they actually did, what they witnessed being done and the situations they raised us in. Yeah. Yes, they may have been brainwashed and yes, there may have been a level of dog growing. And I say may, there definitely was, but that does not mean that they don't have the responsibility to acknowledge it now because the majority of our parents and relatives, they're on the outside now. They're adults functioning in society. They know what's right and wrong mm-hmm. and they want to just move on in their lives fine but acknowledge your past so that their victims and the other survivors can as well yeah absolutely <sighs> god you okay oh yeah i'm good 
<laughs> that's another thing we all do laugh at inappropriate moments right yeah. <laughs> I do it all the time it gets pointed out it just oh. <laughs> it's like I laugh at angry people I cannot help it I cannot keep a straight face when somebody is ranting I love my ranty comedians but in day-to-day life someone's getting really pissed off and having a rant I can't help it I'm in bits of giggles I am <laughs> hysterical laughter and after tears are running out of my eyes and the more I'm laughing the more angry they're getting and right. <laughs> the more I laugh keeps <laughs> <laughs> going around yeah I think eventually, sure. they, eventually they do crack and just sort of laugh or shake their head or they storm off one way or the other the situation's resolved <laughs> yeah yeah that's funny super none of this none of it's funny but they've got to laugh because there's so much emotion so much unprocessed stuff so much half-processed stuff Mm -hmm. so much raw triggers talking about any of this if you know they they really Mm -hmm. it's not laugh or cry it's laugh and cry because they've got to have a release as well as the crying it can't just be the crying they've got to survive (laughs) for me the laughing helps with that (laughs) what is it they call it gallows humor (laughs) yeah definitely definitely yeah there's there there has to be that element and a lot of times like talking about these things and telling the stories over even i know i overshare (laughs) for that is part not just like speaking up and speaking out on a larger scale, whether it's going to the authorities, whether it's going on a podcast, whether it's going in in, in front of Tony Robbins, <laughs> but not just on a big scale, but just even to be able to tell your story again yourself with a friend, with a, with a loved one. Like it's just each time you do it, you feel safer and safer. It's, it is a repetitive thing that has to happen often. People are like, like, why do you keep telling the same story? Because I'm still crying about it or I'm because still laughing. I'm not finished processing that shit there. Exactly. And I'll keep talking about it until until I'm able to like move to the next step yeah. processing. And I'm not being funny, but like, I started talking to the police in 2011. What? I left the cult in 1995. There's a big ass gap there. There mm. were many years of me talking about it when I was wasted and spinning over sharing with complete strangers into a pint and never talking formally before and I don't know it was almost like finding my voice wasn't something that just happened it was something that I practiced for years before I was able to do it in any sort of coherent level in a sober state (laughs) (laughs) yeah it's a massive amount to process they've got people with PTSD and they're processing a trauma that happened but the difference between PTSD and context PTSD is based on one incident that happened and you had an okay life before then context PTSD we never had the normal we never had the before to compare it to we have had our entire childhoods taken away and it has been ingrained and brainwashed we've been raised to be revolutionary soldiers one step away from what the terrorists are doing in some far countries it's to be honest a lot of the same things were used we we don't that's a lot to process. And then they're put in this big, bad world that no one's prepared for. And all of a sudden, you're dealing with drugs, homelessness, relationship faux pas, and not having a clue about culture or how to have a conversation. Stupid things that people take for granted. and don't even start me on their complete lack of an education. Mm-hmm. None of that stuff is there. And, you know, it's like, that's a, that's a load to process on its own without all the other stuff. It's yeah. like, it's when... 
People say all the time, oh, what's normal? There's no such thing as normal. (laughs) And to be honest, it's quite dismissive because most (laughs) people have a sort of normal framework they can at least relate to. We've had (laughs) nothing, right? I'd have have to call Jason at least. (laughs) Yeah, you know, it's like I'd have to call at 15. I spent a few months with my dad before I gave him a black eye and moved out on my own. At 15 years old, I was working cash and hand jobs and staying in a dodgy bedsit in a dodgier area. And I was in my spare time, I was sitting in dark corners of pubs and eavesdropping on people's conversations (laughs) because. And taking notes because I didn't know what the hell they were talking about. Mm-hmm. I was pretty sure soap opera is a toiletry. I had no diff- idea about the difference between rock pop or rap or if there even was one. I had no <laughs> culture. I tell you what, Friends was the most educational thing that I had at my fingertips. <laughs> so it was just out around that time. This is before YouTube and Google. I couldn't just figure out what they were talking about, you know? Yeah, no, it's for like, sure. it's, it was about a year before I was able to have a full conversation from beginning to end without running away and doing more research. It was crazy. Yeah. <laughs> it takes time. And then they've got the whole childhood to process on top. And again, goes back to what I was saying earlier. You know, there's the black and the white abuse. Okay, I know that the sexual abuse was bad. I know the severe beatings were bad. But it was decade or more later that I realized the science restrictions were bad as well. That I realized mm-hmm. that like being completely isolated, locked in a room with water and bread rations for weeks at a time with already beatings was actually a boost. It <laughs> yeah. didn't feel like a boost because compared to the other stuff, it really didn't feel as bad. So being groped by anyone who wanted to grope me from as far back as I can remember, that wasn't a boost because it wasn't me, but it was. Yeah, and absolutely. The whole being raised with a constant fear and paranoia and the absolute promise that they're going to be tortured to death. <laughs> what could we be having nightmares? Those are asking <laughs> me and still asking me today. But again, that didn't fall into the abuse category in my head because it wasn't as bad as the other stuff. And it takes it takes a long time to process. And even now, there's stupid things I'm coming across. Mm-hmm. Like I remember when I had kids and my my child is they made a friend with another kid and the kid's mom was there. Oh, just call me such and such. And I said, absolutely gobsmacked. I thought, how disrespectful allowing the child to call you on a first name basis. I assumed <laughs> that they'd want to be introduced to as anti-something. That sounds really stupid, right? But it never <laughs> occurred to me that was weird. <laughs> and so I was in a setting where it totally wasn't normal. It's, it's, it's stupid things. And it's, it doesn't sound like a big deal, but these situations happen so much on a given day. And makes it really socially awkward, you know? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. All right. <laughs> But then no, it does take time to process. And part of the processing is just letting it all spill out or jumbled out and not thought out because that's the first step of their brain, trying to get it sorted. And mm-hmm. the more they can do that, the more coherent it gets until eventually, hopefully, they're in the position where they can actually, you know, spill it out in an arena that's going to help you in something like counselling or therapy or if and when you feel strong enough authorities. But that's by no means the first step. You know, you work up to that and you do it in the time you're ready. But it is a process. And that whole oversharing, that's (laughs) the first steps of that process for most of us, I think. It's not something you should beat yourself up about. In fact, I tend to use it as a filter now because, honestly, I have poor social skills and I struggle in social situations. And after so many years of putting so much time and effort into a friendship just to have it fall apart because they're a bit freaked out about my past. I'm thinking, oh, no, you know what? Not doing this shit anymore. So I actually, you know, it's like if, if I'm dating somebody, they pretty much get told in like the first or second date, oh, by the way, this shit happened. Just to see what their reaction is, because like one of two yep. things. 
you can get the reaction is a and that's just like that no (laughs) or you get the reaction of it's like oh fuck can't deal with this walk away and you know what fine walk away but at least you've not invested six months the year two years of your life to find that they're going to walk away anyway yeah or to get the other ones that you know i have gone on to be people in my life and i mean then the other reason why it became really important to me too is actually for my kids and i know that there's this is 100 thousand percent a very personal choice that everyone needs to make for themselves but my kids were getting older we grew up together because <laughs> i was a kid when i had them but i just sat there and i thought like how am i going to be able to explain to them who i am and what i've done and actually be a mother to them if they don't know what happened and why is mom a little bit fucking, I'm not going to be, I can't sit there and lecture my kids to get an education where they're like, okay, mom, where's your fucking diploma. Mm-hmm. And I don't want to have to like tell my kids this weird story. And but then if- someday when they're 30, be like, Oh, by the way, <laughs> Surprise! <laughs> then it, it gives context to who you are though exactly. because it exactly. has had a massive impact on us it has influenced us I've obviously not told my kids all the details of it but they're aware that I've done media they're aware of the basics and I've told them if they ever have any questions if they get told about something see something read something hear something talk to me and yeah. I will talk to them and they'll have to understand there's some things they won't necessarily be old enough and they'll just have to trust me on that. And but I will talk to them <laughs> about the rest. Yeah. I think having that honest relationship with their children is the only way to go because we are messed up. We have our mental health issues. I know I have my mental health issues and their mental health issues I've learned to manage. I'm not convinced they'll ever not be a part of me. They are there. They pretty much moved in, yeah. settled in, got the fucking furniture. <laughs> and... <laughs> The kids need to understand what sort of things are affecting, you know, Mm -hmm. if I'm done, they've got to understand that this is something and I'm getting the help that I need because that's what they do. Yeah. They get the help, you get the support. And that's what I hope they do if they ever have any mental health issues because of the stuff they got to do. It's like, Mm -hmm. honestly, it's be honest. And it's like, whatever else happens outside these doors, each other, we be honest. Yeah. And this if this is affecting you, then it's affecting all of us because we're all in this household together. Yeah, absolutely. My kids might be older than your kids. Like my youngest is 21, just turned 21. But they're so proud of me. And that's because if they look at the situations that we're in and they look at the things that I've done and they're like, okay, like you had to do two, you know, laps before anybody else like even got on the <laughs> pavement. And they see that, it's been that much more of an effort and it's been that much more of an overcoming. And at the end of the day, my kids are the only ones that I want, that I care that are proud of me. No, it's like, I think when my kids are younger sort of thing, but I think the main thing that I hope they've got from this is that it's okay stand up for yourself be yourself don't be who somebody else has trained you to be Mm -hmm. there's one thing I've taught my kids from day one ask questions never be afraid to ask a question I have a rule in this house you're allowed to ask anything you want you have to accept sometimes the answer is no but they're allowed (laughs) to ask always ask always if you want something or feel something it's valid say something stand up for yourself and be proud of who you are 
nobody else gets to dictate who they should be. That is something do. And yeah. I've told them, obviously, a much reduced version of events because there's some things that like, they're just too done. I don't have a childhood. Sure. I want my children to have one. Do you know what I mean? For but sure. one thing I have made very clear is the reason that I'm doing this media and the reason I'm doing this, if anyone ever does tease them about it or say something, the reason I'm doing this is because the stuff that happened to me and others wasn't right. Mm-hmm. It wasn't okay. And I, by speaking... I'm helping stop that happen to other people and it's the right thing to do. And that's one thing I've always said. The yeah. use of voice, speak about it. If it if you don't think it's okay, then talk to somebody, yeah. do something about it because I'm not going to raise my kids with this culture of silence that we were raised with. Absolutely. If yeah. anything ever does happen to them, if and when it does, because that's why this isn't exclusive to the cult. No. It can happen anywhere. It can happen in the outside world. And they've got to yeah. know that it's okay to talk to somebody mm-hmm. about it. They've got to know that is the right thing to do. A hundred percent. Whether or not they're proud of me remains to be seen. We'll wait till we're growing <laughs> up and teenage years before asking that question. One of my kids is trans and one of my kids is uh, is autistic. In in that sense, we've got just a whole spice <laughs> rack of a little bit different in our family. Oh, fair <laughs> enough, fair enough. <laughs> that um, helps sometimes. Like I mentioned earlier, the physical and the sexual abuse, that was bad. It was nasty, but it was not the only abuse that went on. That that no. isolating of children is like, <laughs> oh, my God, who does that? Who yeah. puts a kid on silence restrictions from weeks to months where they're allowed no contact, no love, no affection, no physical acknowledgement of their existence apart from being berated with this propaganda and... The reduced food and water and like, who does that to a child that yeah. sort of thing would be classed as torture in prison or war camps and they did it to children as a standard thing and the worst thing is half the kids they did it to don't even realize that that was abuse yeah, yeah. because it wasn't as bad as what they perceive as the physical and sexual abuse but it scars me for life Oh, absolutely. That absolutely. Is, that's something which, which messes you up in a way nothing else did. You know what? I used to greatly prefer the beatings were over with relatively quickly. Mm-hmm. But, you know, that, that science restriction, it was the work. When they said they'd keep you on it until they break through, they meant that until they broke through. What yeah. sort of community or group or parents is okay with making a life mission to break their children? Why was yeah. that something that was seen as something that was okay? Just that, even that expression, I'll spike you to a broken or rebellious spirit. You'll do this till we've broken it. Why is it okay to want to break a child's psyche? Because that's essentially what they did Absolutely. every day to all of us. Yep. That's exactly yeah. right. Yeah. Yeah. <sighs> Sorry, I'm ranting again. <laughs> no, because I had said something earlier today about the fact that, like, when they put up the measurements of what cult is worse the top three are always the ones that you know like off themselves whether it's david crash or or the heaven's gate or jim jones but i said in some ways sometimes living can be worse when what's happened to us has happened to us it's not just something you get over when it stops yeah it's Mm. it's not something that you get better from it's something that if they're lucky they learn to manage if you're extremely lucky to get out the other side of. But honestly, there's so many that didn't and don't and can't. Yeah. And 
they get brained as bringing it on themselves as not being able to deal with it and told to just cheer up and get on with it after all such and such did and it's not right no you want to help these people move on you want to help them get through to the other side acknowledge what they went through in the first place yeah and that's an important thing i think i first told my grandma about everything that had happened in the cult back in 2008 i went over to visit her in france i loved my grandparents I loved them so much. They were the closest things to parents I'd ever experienced. And I never knew them growing up. But after I left the cult, I went around and I visited them and I introduced myself. And they they accepted me with open arms. They they loved me unconditionally. These were all things I'd heard of existing, but I had never experienced from anyone in my entire life. Mm-hmm. And I was heartbroken when they died. But I also didn't want to tell them about how bad it had been because I didn't want to break their hearts. I didn't want to upset them. I didn't want to put them in a position where they're choosing between me and my parents' version of events. I didn't want to upset them. I didn't want to rock the boat with them. So I didn't talk to them and I didn't talk to most of my grandparents at all ever until they passed. But I did talk to one. I talked to my grandmother when I went to visit her in France. And I don't know why, just one night it all piled up and it just, I started talking and I kept talking. And she turns around to me and she said to me, I was like, well, Verity, I had no idea. I'm so sorry. I had no idea it was like that. Because she had visited a couple of times when I was Mm -hmm. younger, when we were trying to get money. When she visited, (laughs) we got to put on pretty clothes and we rehearsed our lines and we were on display. And it was basically, the better they behave, the more cash we get, kids. So we were all on best behavior and so in the line. And I was like, you know, I don't, I know they didn't know. I didn't expect you to know. We were good at covering it up. And she goes, why didn't you tell me? Like, after, when you left, why didn't you tell me? And if those times, I was like, I'll be honest, I find it really difficult to talk about. It's something that's really hard to talk about. It's really upsetting. And she just said this one real simple line. And it's something that never left me. And one of the things that sort of carried on dancing a jig in my head until I started speaking, she just said, but if you never talk, Verity, how will anyone ever know? And that's the thing. This whole culture of silence is designed by the abusers to protect the abusers because Mm -hmm. if we, the survivors, never talk, then how will anyone ever know? If the only version of events they have is the version that the history books have written by the people that abused us, then how will anyone ever know that it's different? Yeah. And it was such a simple line and it was so heartfelt. And it just, I guess I never looked at it that simply before. (laughs) Yeah. You have to talk. Whether or not anyone wants to listen, we'll get past that barrier. Talk. Because all silence protects are the abusers. Yeah, And that's absolutely. the truth of it. And yes, there's some innocent people that have been groomed and ending up in situations, guilty by association, or in some cases pressured into doing something that later they realise is wrong and didn't want to do. But you know what? Talking about them isn't going on a witch hunt. It's healthy to talk about it. Those same people, if they were genuinely doing something against their will because they were groomed or pressured into that position, those people have probably been eaten away by guilt trips themselves about what they've done. It's a mm-hmm. subject that needs to be talked about from all sides. Yeah. Absolutely. Staying silent isn't an option for me anymore. And it took me a long time to realise that. And I understand not everyone's at that stage. But mm-hmm. if... If you're fighting yourself, spinning your guts every time they have a few drinks or oversharing to random strangers when you're having a bad day on a regular basis, then speaking personally, I'd say that's a fair indication that your inner self is wanting to speak. Let it stop only (laughs) allowing it to speak when 
they've had a few in their inhibitions of though or do had a bad day, they let do it when they're sober and in control. They let do it on lower terms because it is an important step towards healing, even if it never yeah. goes any further, that finding your voice, it's staying silent. You should never be ashamed to speak. Yeah. Your experiences absolutely. are valid. What happened to you is valid. And yes, some people who are perhaps good people, apart from that one or two incidents, could get affected. But that doesn't justify those one or two incidents is what they have mm-hmm. to understand. Those one or two incidents still have to be held accountable. And if it goes to court, they give like the extenuating circumstances and things that could be taken into account, especially if they can prove they're a changed person now. But if it happened, then it should be held to account. So like I said before, the fact that Hitler was against fox hunting and a vegan doesn't make him a good person. The fact yeah. that some Nazi war criminals went on to be, you know, like upsetting members of the community doesn't make it okay what they did. Yes, they could be good people now, but they still need to acknowledge the past and crimes are still answerable. Mm-hmm. No matter how good a person. Yeah, for sure. A hundred percent. Yeah. Definitely. Good stuff, Verity. Yeah, thank you so much for, I know none of this stuff is ever easy to talk about, but thank you so much for being so open and honest, you know, just, yeah. No, thanks to you guys as well. You guys have been really easy to talk to as well, and you've shared some really personal stuff too. And honestly, I'm totally in awe of everything that you guys have done and how far they've got and everything else, I think. It's still weird for me to think that anyone actually, you know, like could possibly look up to me because I've got no self-esteem. I think you guys are amazing. So I'm really pleased that you want me to be a part of this. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you so much. (laughs) Thank you so much. Little only. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. You said some really good stuff, some really profound things that definitely are going to make people think you shouldn't have low self-esteem because you're amazing. You are so profound and you have so many good points. And yeah, a lot of stuff that you said is, wow, yeah, right on. That's really good stuff. Yeah, I just, I, for myself, I just, I, I just feel like I had confidence all the time, especially since this doctor series, and I've got people saying, "Wow, this or wow that," and it's just, it's, yeah, it's. I, I'm very self-critical. I'm extremely yeah. self-critical, and I know that part of that is just the after effects of so much ingrained. But I just find it very hard to give myself a break. As I, yeah. every psychiatrist and counselor and psychologist I've ever seen, and there have been a lot, have said the same thing. Give yourself a break. Go easy on yourself. But I can't. I am such a perfectionist. Yeah. It's, it's just not good enough. <laughs> when you get vulnerable in those ways, you start finding out that most people are pretty much sitting up Shit's Creek without a paddle. Like most people pretty much face that in life. You're always a, among good company. Oh. something you said as well Jemima but sometimes somebody who's been abusive in a relationship or in a situation doesn't necessarily realize they are until somebody holds up that mirror and everything else I think the same is true for the opposite you know like, <laughs> I think it's very difficult for many of us to see ourselves the way other people see us mm-hmm. it's yeah. like as for good and for bad it's I think we, we, we have this self-image of ourselves and what we're actually like doesn't necessarily have anything to do with it. And a million people can tell you and it just it doesn't really sink in because yeah, they're not ready to see that side of it that who knows. Yeah. I've always thought that it has, it has, I think a lot to do with the fact that it wasn't just like breaking us down, but they also stripped us of any identity whatsoever. 
Like oh, we don't yeah. have a relationship with self because there was no self. Like they, like changing your name, they would like you, you were stripped of all of that. And I think that really does affect the way that we're able to see and reflect on ourselves because we don't know who the fuck we are. <laughs> yeah. We were, we were never allowed to consider that. Yeah, absolutely. Nothing. Hell, yeah. we were even allowed to have an imagination. The amount of punishments I got for that as a kid is unreal. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, like literally stripped you of anything like slightly identifying. If you had stuff you got attached to, it was taken away as worldly possessions. Yep. If you formed what passed as a friendship, you were separated and moved to different homes. Can't be having yep. that. Siblings were separated. Parents were separated. Parents from children. It was very much, it was like we were one big family. There's no individuality encouraged or allowed. Mm -hmm. Not even our thoughts were our own. Our bodies weren't our own. Our time wasn't our own. But I mean, like those open heart reports even stripped away what went inside their head. Every thought that you had to be written down, assessed, judged and punished or treated accordingly. There was nothing you were allowed on their own. One of the biggest luxuries when I hit the outside world was having a bath time all by myself with the door that closed. (laughs) Yeah, I've been out for so many years, but I still find something at least every single day that I feel lucky to have. Honestly, like little things like paper towels. I'm like, oh my God, you know, like uh, more than three sheets of toilet paper. (laughs) I still feel so great for them. I think in some ways, everything that we went through has given us so much greater appreciation. Like people don't even really get how profoundly lucky it is to be able to make your own choices about things. Like of what you're going to wear. And I'm always finding things like that, that I'm just like. I think especially uh, when they're raising kids out here. Oh, my God. (laughs) And sometimes in their head, they're beginning to sound like, oh, we're an ass. (laughs) 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 Seriously. Oh, my God. You have no idea. You're moaning because you don't have the fancy phone that your classmate has. You have any idea how lucky you are. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, that's true. But I think it's important that we do change things for the next generation. We don't continue that cycle. We give yeah. the kid, our kids the choices and the freedoms and the individuality and the freedom of expression that we never had. Because there's too many situations, not just in the cult, but outside where it just goes on and on, generation after generation. There has to be a stop. The cycle has to be broken. And I think that's what the majority of us are doing. Yeah, absolutely. That's absolutely. a massive statement all in itself. Yeah. And then, don't get me wrong, no one's perfect. Our kids are going to come up with their own issues and their own problems and they're going to have their own stuff to deal with. But it's not going to be the same stuff that we had to deal with. We can change something. We can make mm-hmm. something better for them. Yeah. And the two most important things for me with my kids is that they get to have a childhood and they get to have a choice. They get to have a freedom of choice. They're allowed mm-hmm. a voice from day one. I've possibly gone too far with that in some scenarios, but that's a story for another day. <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah we definitely are out there breaking the cycle for sure and in a, ma- in a massive way that's something massive to be proud of whatever else we've done we've, we've broken that cycle yeah that's a massive thing yeah and it's yeah, not it, easy to be proud of yourself for anything but <laughs> at least hold on to that <laughs> yeah we're not going to be able to keep everything from our kids we're not going to be able to save them from everything in spite of how hard we try but 
but we can show up for them in a way that no one ever showed up for us. And that's not only a powerful statement to them, it's also a powerful statement to yourself that you're reparenting yourself as you go through parenting your own kids. So Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah you're dealing with all the triggers that causes and you're dealing with them not just for yourself but on the behalf of these little people that depend yeah. on you. That's a massive thing. They know that they can talk to me, that no matter what, I do have their back and that that shit is one. And it's not much to hold on to, but I think we should both be so fucking proud of ourselves that we've been able to do that despite the massive triggering it must have caused you. And I know it caused me yeah. our kids are having to deal with even a fraction of what we had. That's something that takes a lot of strength. Yeah, so much strength. I have my self-care emotional. thing whenever I do any interviews or anything because it is triggering and I do get emotional. and It's the only way I can talk. I know some people can separate themselves and just keep the tears away. And I have no idea how they do that. That's just not something I'm capable of doing. If I'm going to talk about it, it just has to be congruent. It just has to be from the heart and just talk. And But I know the effect it will have. So after I hang up this call, I will proceed to get the shakes first because like the adrenaline will come off. I have a fix for that. I'm an ex-smoker, but I have a cigarette on hand. And that's an instant get rid of the shakes. We're all in this similar boat just knowing what it does take out it thank you for being willing to do that and be here with no us. Really I, appreciate I want it. to do i want to do this it helps me to talk this mm-hmm. isn't just me being altruistic and wonderful to everyone else <laughs> it actually helps me to talk it's for this emotional stuff that i know is going to come as part and parcel mm-hmm. it doesn't take away from the positive impact that talking has on me it mm. does feel empowering. It does feel therapeutic. It does. I want my voice to be heard. I'm tired of being dismissed. I'm tired of being seen as worthless. I'm tired of the call not even bothering to acknowledge my complaints until the docu-series. It was not the first media I've done, but it's the first time they've inserted my name in the blank for their bullshit rebuttal. <laughs> I'm oh sick gosh. and tired of being dismissed as worthless because I'm not. And I won't let anyone think of me that way again. And talking makes me feel like I'm not. Talking makes me feel empowered. Mm-hmm. And as a bonus, it helps other people. That makes me feel good. I yeah. feel good when somebody comes to me and says that I've positively impacted them. It gives me some sort of validation, however pathetic or thing that is. It does. It feels yeah. good. Mm-hmm. I like that feeling. Mm-hmm. And, you know, completely selfishly as well. More people come forward. It's not just their cases that make it make it support. Maybe mine will too. Yeah. This this is something I want to do. So I'm really glad that you guys let me come on board for one. So just cut out all the woff thing and I'm sure they can fit. fit <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Thank you so much. This has been so incredible and such an emotional roller coaster ride. We're all on it together and it feels good. We can yeah. feel this co- camaraderie. Like we all survived. We're here to tell about it. And yeah, I cry anyway with or without the talking. This way, I also get to laugh and I also get to feel strong. It has been good to chat. Thank yeah, you. thank you so much. Indeed. Yeah.